Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. If there's one word that points out the difference between a happy marriage and an unhappy marriage, it is planning. You know, happy, successful couples plan to go to church this Sunday. They plan to give each other a meaningful hug, meaningful kiss today. They plan, how are we going to connect tonight? When are we going to turn off the technology and look each other in the eyes and just talk? They plan for dates together to strengthen their marriage relationship. Insights from Dr. Randy Schrader, and uh, you'll hear more as he has some very practical advice to strengthen your marriage. Thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. John, I think everyone wants a happy marriage. I hope that, and uh, there may be some listening or viewing that their marriages are at a place where it's not about that. It's just a matter of being together and sticking together. And we're going to cover some great material today that's going to give you uh, the handles to do better in your marriage. If you're in a serious situation, please call us and John will give those details. This is going to be that kind of tune-up program for marriages that might be struggling a bit, but they're on the right general path. But again, if you're in a, a much more difficult place, give us a call and we can help you there. Um, we are going to cover some great content. You know, the Bible recommends a different path to happiness than what I think we in the Western world think about when it comes to happiness. Proverbs 4, 5 says, get wisdom, uh, get insight. Mm -hmm. And Proverbs 19, 8 says, he who gets wisdom loves himself. In other words, if you want to enjoy life and have a shalom, a peaceful life, uh, find practical knowledge for living. I think it all starts with our marriages. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want peace in your life, have a peaceful marriage and everything else kind of cascades from there. So I'm looking forward to our program. Right. And Dr. Randy Schrader has been here before. Uh, he's a pastor, a former seminary professor, and a marriage and family counselor. He and his wife, Jenny, have been married for over 45 years, and they have two children and six grandchildren. And he's written a number of books. Uh, the one we'll talk about today is called Simple Habits for Marital Happiness, Practical Skills and Tools that Build a Strong, Satisfying Relationship. Contact the ministry today for your copy of that book. Our number is 800, the letter A, and the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Dr. Randy, it's great to have you back. Well, it's great to be back, and I look forward to uh, providing simple yet very effective habits for couples to improve and strengthen their marriage. I love what you've said on earlier programs that we've done. You've written a book for parenting and a book on marital happiness here that we're going to talk about again today. We did a, a previous program on this, uh, but we're going to cover some of the other information here. But you basically said you structured these books as a counselor would engage with a client and that people can read these books and they're going to get all the information that you would have spent thousands of dollars on in your counseling settings. And uh, that's a great way to look at that. Well, it, it is free counseling. And like uh, John <laughs> said earlier, uh, I was a professor for 25 years at a seminary and uh, taught marriage counseling and premarital counseling. And that information's in the book. And the Simple Habits for Marital Happiness looks at, it's the only marriage book out there that looks at all seven areas of a marriage, 
from how do you apologize to each other? How do you forgive each other? How do you stay in love after the honeymoon? What habits keep you in love after the honeymoon? How do you build emotional closeness? How do you communicate effectively? How do you uh, guard your relationship from all the temptations in the world? How do you have respectful discussions? And how the financial guidelines, what financial guidelines help you save, budget, and spend together? So, yeah, you're right, Jim. It that is, is perfect, right? Yeah, Thank you for joining Focus everything. on the Family. Order the book today. I mean, this is great. And I'm so excited when we get a really good resource like this that is so sound fundamentally. Okay, for the skeptic, the person out there going, it's not about happiness, it's about joy. And it's true. I mean, being a Christian, you want a joyful life, but happiness counts too. So just hit that for the uh, the purists that are listening that, uh, Dr. Randy, life is about joy, not about happiness. Well, no marriage is consistently happy, or is happy every day, I should say. Uh, consistent marriage satisfaction is the goal. You know, you, we can have ups and downs, and, uh, and yet uh, through habits, couples can have a strong, satisfying relationship. 80% of our behaviors are habits. Yeah. And couples that have a successful, happy marriage uh, have a gratifying relationship because they have daily healthy habits they share loving words, loving actions every single day, and that keeps that relationship consistently happy. Yeah. In that context, for the person listening, let's assume it's the wife who's listening right now or viewing, and she can't imagine that. You know, the, some things have deteriorated in their relationship. They haven't put basic fundamentals into play, and it's just kind of on autopilot. Is there really hope for them? There is definitely hope. I, I, Jim and John, I have helped more than probably 2,000 couples achieve a consistently satisfying marriage. The sad thing for most couples is every almost 100% of couples want to have a happy marriage, but they don't have the specific words and actions and knowledge to get there. And, and that's what is lacking. Motivation is great, but if you don't know how to do it, and what to say and how to say it and what to do on a daily basis, then it makes having a happy marriage almost extremely difficult or impossible. Well, I think we have laid the groundwork. Let's get into the four daily essentials. Uh, these are things, that, again, you mentioned early in the book for couples. Take us through the first two of those four essentials. Well, the four daily essential habits are are essential. They need, they need, to, they need to happen. And uh, what I have seen uh, in troubled relationships, couples stop saying, I love you. And in fact, uh, complacency is the dreaded disease that can really damage a marriage relationship. They become complacent and they don't say, I love you every day. So the first daily essential habit is whoever or whenever a spouse leaves the home, they need to say goodbye, I love you. Doesn't make any difference if they're going to work, they're going to the grocery store, they're going to the hardware store. They say goodbye, I love you, and then the other spouse needs to return or gets to return. It's not a need to, it's a get to. Uh, it's a privilege. I love you. Have a good day or drive careful wherever you're going. And I, there's a practical rhyme. I will never leave the house without hugging and kissing my spouse and saying <laughs> I love you. Okay. Uh, and, and so that's the first essential. The second one is good night, I love you. A lot of couples don't go to bed at the same time. Or if they do, you know, one will roll over first to go to sleep. Every night, whoever goes to sleep first will say good night, I love you. 
Uh, and then the spouse can return, uh, good night, I love you. And so there's four I love yous every day, which overcomes that dreaded disease or part of it of complacency. No, that's good. I appreciate that. The third one is really uh, about habits and developing those good habits. And you say the first five minutes of the day, number three comes into play. I'm keeping your rhyming going, but uh, hit it. Good job. Good job. Number three. (laughs) We're rhyming all over the place. Yeah. The the, uh, the first five minutes of the day uh, set the tone for the day, not only for an attitude, but also for a marriage relationship. And so couples need to avoid the C's. I stress that to parents. I stress that uh, to couples, the correcting, criticizing, complaining, condemning. You know, I've heard thousands of spouses say, you know, I wake up and the first thing I hear is you forgot to put your coffee cup in the dishwasher last night. You know, it's a a criticism. And so the first five minutes, a a spouse doesn't have to be bubbly joyful, but they need to avoid the seas so they begin the day positively. Mm. That is a habit that needs to be in place. We're going to go a little deeper with each of these. So for people going, ah, I want to hear more about that. We will in a minute. So hang on. Uh, habit four is how you end the day with your spouse, other than I love you. You call it the two within 20. Yes, sir. It's spending two minutes together within the first 20 minutes that the last spouse arrives home after work or whatever. Uh, and so it doesn't, some spouses like to unwind. They like to go change their clothes, check the mail, do that. So it doesn't have to be immediate. But at some point in those 20 minutes, they need to reconnect emotionally. They need to make that eye-to-eye heart connection. The eyes are windows to the heart. Couples forget that. They need to look in each other's eyes, spend two minutes checking out how the days they went for both of them, and giving a meaningful hug and kiss. Uh, that is a daily essential habit is to give a 10-second hug, 10-second kiss every day. Uh, a meaningful hug and kiss happens in those two minutes within the first 20 that minutes. That seems pretty reasonable, two minutes. <laughs> I mean, if, yes, to sir. invest in your marriage. So, yes, sir. But I'm guilty. I don't do that every day. I do it some days and probably need to do it more days. <laughs> so I you, like you, this. You, you this and I are alike. All, all spouses are imperfect. Even yeah. though I'm a marriage expert, I don't do it perfectly either, Jim. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Uh, complimenting your spouse is powerful. I think we know that. Sometimes, you know, I think we get a little wounded, so we pull back on that, hmm. I would say. It doesn't have to be a severe wound, but maybe just a, a little nick, and then we don't want to compliment you for the next 24 hours. <laughs> Not that I've given a lot of thought oh, to you've this. you've got a friend who does that. <laughs> yeah, a friend. But I, I guess many couples kind of lose that art, if I could call it that. What causes couples to stop appreciating one another? Hmm. It, it is that complacency and just they stop being a good finder. You know, they say a good finder. Yes, sir. Like they're, not, they're not good finders. They are, it's too easy to slip due to our sinful nature and become fault finders. And so couples need to compliment each other every single day. And I think it's good. I always define gratitude as saying thank you. It's good to say, uh, healthier, I would say, to say, I appreciate. That lifts the spouse up, and that is praise. Praise creates positive energy in a marriage. And it's interesting to me, every counseling session, I've done thousands and thousands of counseling sessions with couples. Every session I begin with a couple, I have them appreciate each other. Hmm. And it's amazing to me how difficult that is for spouses. Now, I'm seeing troubled marriages yeah. are marriages that are struggling and want to get stronger. Yet, for a husband to tell his wife, I appreciate, and then I 
Ask the wife, will you please always say thank you for the compliment? And then husband, will you please say you're welcome after you give the compliment? And that those three uh, niceties are tough. Let it just doesn't happen. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, tell us about your even odd rule. What is that? This is another practical one. That is a biggie. I, I see so many marriages that one spouse says, my spouse is complaining about all our life issues. Every person on the face of this earth has different issues going on. Now, it could be something like the brakes on the car need to be changed, okay? And who's going to take the car to the shop to get the brakes changed? But couples can have uh, 50% of their life positive by uh, not talking about problems on even dates. When I think of the Mm -hmm. word even, I think of smooth, calm, tranquil. And so on even dates, they avoid problem talk. Because some spouses have the tendency just to complain about everything every day. So there can be no complaints. You know, it just has to be positive. And then on the odd dates, couples can talk about and kind of complain about work and complain about life issues. And it's they should only last for 30 minutes, at the most an hour. So the rest of the evening together is positive. Hmm. It's coffee, casual conversation. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. As Christians, we're called to bring light to the world. And as Christian parents, we want our kids to answer the call too. Bring Your Bible to School Day is a great way to do that. It's a chance for your kids to grow their faith, evangelize, and be a light in their schools. So if a faith-filled, light-giving home is important to you, join Bring Your Bible to School Day on Thursday, October 6th. Register now at bringyourbible.org. I was convinced that nothing could change what was going on in our marriage, and I didn't want to try anymore. But my commitment to God helped me try one more time. We went to a Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, and it was life-changing. The counselors created the safest environment we could imagine, so that let us really talk. We're on a much different course now, and I believe we received a miracle that week. Receive your free consultation at HopeRestored.com. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Randy, that odd or even, what jumped in my mind is Jean and I are in the airport and I, you know, she accidentally drops the suitcase on my toe and I got a first thing, <laughs> okay, this is an even day. Oh, love, why would you have dropped that on my toe? And if it's an odd day, what are you doing dropping that on my toe? Now, we always have to watch our tone of voice and body language, Jim. Yes. Yeah, we got it. But, but you're correct. That, 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 that even odd guideline is not a rigid okay. rule. You know, something right. big comes up. You know, right. you, you know, but it does help couples have 50% of their life positive. No, it's good. It's good. And it's good to remember. Be practical. But I love that. At least it contains that negative emotion. Let's move in that direction, cover habits that we need to avoid. Uh, let's start with a hard one, which is sarcasm. I mean, it kind of goes to my, my personality. Guilty. Yeah, you too? <laughs> yes. Okay. So, okay. You got two clients here. <laughs> here we go. I like your sense of humor. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we all can be sarcastic. Uh, and yet, sadly, 90% of our sarcasm is usually negative. 
Uh, and so the Greek word for sarcasm is tearing of flesh. Can we, you give, give us an example in a counseling session that you remember where, let's work with husbands. I mean, the husbands seem to be very good at sarcasm. What did it sound like? Just so people catch it. Well, just you cook all the time. And he, she really doesn't cook all the time. So, so it's kind of hidden anger. I'm going to jab you. And then I'm saying, well, I'm just teasing. You know, right. I didn't really mean it. And that's what happens with sarcasm. It devalues the spouse. It puts them down. And then the other spouse will say, well, you just can't take a joke. You know, it kinda, it's, it's deflating to the other person, even uh, it, if you it do is. it with humor. It is. And, yeah. and, and I, uh, I saw a couple had a son who had very low self-worth, lacked motivation, struggling in school, uh, struggling making friendships. And often when I, probably 100% of the time, when I counsel uh, children, I ask parents, are you sarcastic with your kids? And, uh, and almost uh, 100% of the time, they say yes. And I say, from this day forward, never, ever be sarcastic with your kids again and never be sarcastic with yourselves in your marriage. In fact, they were struggling in their marriage. They had a troubled relationship. And I remember they saying, well, Dr. Schrader, we won't be sarcastic with our son since you asked for that. But that's the way we relate to each other. We kind of jab each other. And I said, well, will you please not do that? Well, they stopped their sarcasm with their son. And what happened? He became motivated, developed self-confidence, did better at school, and just turned it around. Just from There were other ideas as well that I gave them, parenting simple yet very effective habits. But they continued to do that in their marriage relationship. And did their marriage and relationship continue to struggle? Yes, it did. Interesting. They didn't so they give didn't up the sarcasm. No, they didn't yeah. apply it to themselves in their marriage. I think mm-hmm. Gene really helped me one time. This is long time, a long time ago in our marriage, but you know, I, I could throw the funny dig. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, I just remember her saying to me, you know, that really doesn't help me. And it, it stuck with mm-hmm. me, you know, like I thought it was funny. And I don't think, particularly for guys, I don't think a lot of guys know that it hurts. Yes. Sir. I mean, it sounds bizarre that we wouldn't realize that, but we thought that was a 10 on the laugh meter. Yeah. Right. And we think that's the achievement. And then when your wife pulls you aside and says, please don't do that in public. Mm-hmm. It really demeans me. You go, yeah. What I didn't mean I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, no, it, it can, it's an emotional slap, kind of an emotional whack to uh, a spouse. Now, can there be healthy sarcasm? Sure, ten percent of the time, but most of the time, the three of us and everyone needs to just watch out with that sarcasm because it can really destroy a relationship. Or put it on yourself. It's always a good way to do it. Yeah. Point yeah. the sarcasm at your own actions. Exactly. Uh, the Bible discusses leaving and cleaving. Man, are we <clears throat> concentrating on that one nowadays? You know, Jesus never talked about, uh, you know, other forms of marriage. Oh, he said, you know, a man will leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. You know, oftentimes uh, in-laws can play a role in the relationship. So what's the difference between a, you know, a healthy, close relationship that is normal and then that overly attached person to their parents and the husband or wife say, man, that's a little odd, that over-attachment. And and that's that's a great question. And uh, I I always say uh, without a healthy leaving emotionally and physically, a lot of adult children want to live within one minute of their parents. uh, It's hard to have a healthy cleaving to one's spouse. And, and so that leaving and cleaving is absolutely essential. And what I have found is that it's kind of a have to. If an adult child says, I have to 
talk to my mom today. I have to talk to my dad today. And it's not just once. It's three, four, five, six, seven, ten times a day. I mean, I've seen marriages with uh, individuals in their 50s, been married over 25 years, and they feel like they need to see their mom or their dad uh, every single day or talk to them. I remember I had a couple drove two hours to come see me for marriage counseling because they had heard how many couples I helped achieve a satisfying, successful marriage. And one of the things I noted is that she was overly attached to her mom. And I said, I think it's good you and your mom have a loving relationship. What would you think about maybe just uh, contacting your mom once in the morning, once in the afternoon? And and uh, versus what? Versus what she about do? ten. Wow. And and, and I remember Sorry. she she <laughs> said she said Dr. Schrader she said I don't think that's biblical. And she said I want to you know talk to my mom over and over and over throughout the day. In fact, every night after dinner, the first thing she did was contact her mom rather than sit down and talk to her husband. Uh, and of course, they never came back to see me because she thought I was full of baloney. And yet, that was what was hurting their marriage is because she was she didn't have a mom; she had a mommy. And I've had a lot, and so she needed to break that umbilical cord, that emotional umbilical cord, and cleave to her husband. Well, and then I mean, the cascading effect of something like that is the husband finds news, weather, and sports. And he just lives there, and she's on the phone. And and sadly, what I have also seen, not just news, weather, and sports, another person yeah. has an affair with another woman. Yeah. Right. So that those are the, the rail. And, you know, not to say that, that that is the woman's fault that a man would act that way. We've yeah, always no, got to clarify that. No, never make excuses that. for simple right. behavior. Yes. So sin I want to make sin. sure we say yeah. that. Yeah. Um, under that avoiding the bad habits banner, you know, we got this new thing, relatively new thing, called technology. And uh, you have to manage that in your marital relationship because you can, I, boy, when Gene and I go out to dinner, we look across the restaurant at different couples and they've both got their phones out. They're not really talking to each other. They're just looking at their phones. So what are some good uh, habits in the technology area and what are the bad habits to avoid? Great question. And I think uh, couples need to do what I call quiet connects. And I actually have that in Simple Habits for Marital Happiness. And I got that from a couple uh, that I saw in counseling. They, uh, several years ago, quite a few years ago, we had the power go out in almost our whole town. And uh, this couple that I was counseling said what they did when the power went out, it was uh, late in the afternoon, is they lit candles and sat in the living room and they talked for several hours Hmm. about their fun memories of when they were dating about some of the fun things they did on various vacations, about what vacations they want to do in the future. And after doing that, they came in and they said, Dr. Schrader, we're going to do that once a week. Have no technology, cell phone in the other room, tablets in the other room, TV off, and we're just going to sit there and look into each other's eyes and talk about fun things that happened during the day and fun things we're looking forward to doing and just have coffee, casual conversation. And so from that, I started suggesting to all couples, let's have quiet connects. And I think we can do that also in the car. You know, rather than listen to music or listen to a podcast and not talk to one another, my wife and I turn the radio off and I suggest to all couples, turn the radio off and talk to each other. Now, you can't look each other in the eyes, but you can still emotionally connect through that uh, 
building up conversation. Yeah, relationship. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Randy, let's uh, cover a couple of other elements right at the end here. Memory matching. I found that to be kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you caution couples about? Mem- what is it? And wh- how do you caution couples with it? Well, the, I, I say avoid the two M words. And so one, like you said, Jim, is memory matching. Our memories are always excellent and always the truth from our perspective. <laughs> and so what, what can, I, I've seen it over and over, heard a lot of marriage relationships, and I'm forever saying it when I counsel couples, is couples will say, this is what you said. No, this is what you said. No, this is what it's you It's kind did. of the contest. Yeah. Yeah, it's a contest, you know. <laughs> and, and, and when couples learn to say we're not going to memory match, our memories are excellent from our perspective. We're just going to adopt the phrase, no memory matching. Second, you, you want to avoid mind reading. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I've known my wife almost a half a century. You know, we know each other pretty well. But if we read each other's minds and we're right, that can be kind of annoying. And so, <laughs> and so, and so it's better to ask, what are you thinking? But okay? you're still right. And, <laughs> That's and, funny. And, and it can just lead to heartache. And the other thing, uh, we can be wrong, and that can really be frustrating if we thought we had our spouse's mind read and it was wrong. I saw a a couple whose husband was on uh, a business trip, and his wife went through a distressing event back home. She called him up. Uh, He was compassionate, did a terrific job. I asked him what he did. He listened. He was empathetic, sympathetic. And he asked his wife, he said, do you want me to cancel the business meetings right now and drive home? I'll do it. And she said, no. She said, I have the support of family. She said, you can just stay and and then come home when your business meetings are done. When he got home, she had taken out a six-month lease on an apartment and moved out of the house. And even though she did not ask him to come home, she said, you should have read my mind that I really wanted you to come home. Wow. And he came to three sessions by himself. And I talked about the importance of expectations, making your expectations known. She thought the idea of expectations was dumb. She said, I should not have to make my expectations known. And I've seen other spouses that said that too. If we're close, you should read my mind. Yeah. And that is, mind reading is a no-no. Randy, this has been so good. Uh, and again, I could see how, you know, you have packed so much into the book uh, and uh, really as a goal of taking everything you've learned in your counseling sessions and with great examples, you know, some tough ones from couples that were struggling but laying them in there so we could read them and see how to not repeat those mistakes. Uh, what a wonderful book, Simple Habits for Marital Happiness. And, you know, one way to start that assessment is to come to focus on the family's website. John will give those details in a minute. But we have a wonderful marriage assessment there. I think we've had over a million people take it. And uh, it just takes six, seven minutes to go through the assessment. It'll tell you where you're doing really well and some areas you need to work on. And in addition to that, obviously, covering the material today, uh, Randy's great book, we can make that available to you. Um, If you can make a gift of any amount, we'll say thank you by sending you a copy of Randy's book. If you could do that monthly, that's great. A one-time gift is fine. If you can't afford it, we want to get it into your hands. We're a Christian ministry. We're going to trust there will be other people recognizing that and helping us help you by supporting the ministry. So whatever your situation, we want to get this great resource into your hands. Yeah, contribute generously as you can to the work of Focus on the Family, and we'll say thanks for being a part of the support team by sending the book Simple Habits for Marital Happiness. Uh, you can donate online at focusonthefamily.com broadcast or call 800, the letter A, and the word family, 800 232 
1-800-273-8859. Randy, thanks again for being with us. Always good to have you here. Thanks for having me back, and I pray that couples will have stronger relationships. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, inviting you back next time as we continue the conversation and once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. At Focus on the Family, we know you want to see your grandchildren follow Christ. Here's how you do that. The Legacy Grandparenting Summit, the only national conference on Christian grandparenting. Coming to over 100 locations on October 20th and 21st. You'll find wisdom, direction, and inspiration from speakers including Anne Graham Lotz and Miles McPherson. Register now for the Legacy Grandparenting Summit at LegacyCoalition.com summit. Praise creates positive energy in a marriage. And it's interesting to me, every counseling session, I've done thousands and thousands of counseling sessions with couples. Every session I begin with a couple, I have them appreciate each other. Dr. Randy Schrader joins us again today on Focus on the Family. And we thank you for joining us. I'm John Fuller and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. John, I think we both agree the conversation last time was so helpful. There's so many great little deposits of wisdom that mm-hmm. Randy provides in this book, Simple Habits for Marital Happiness. I mean, you could just start taking little notes. Yeah, he's got a way to make things stand out and be remembered. Some great hooks. It's perfect. We discuss simple choices that really strengthen your connection with your spouse. Who doesn't want that? Things like saying thank you and reconnecting for two minutes at the end of the day, saying I love you when you leave the house, saying I love you when you go to bed at night. They, you think of those as just you know fluff, but couples that practice those habits have happier marriages. And it doesn't take a lot, but it's thoughtfulness that counts. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to another part of that discussion today. Yeah, and if you missed anything uh, from the previous conversation, we're available on YouTube. You can uh, find us wherever podcasts are at. Stop by our website. Our number is 800-A-FAMILY, 800-232-6459. And uh, you'll find us at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And Dr. Randy Schrader is a former mm-hmm. seminary professor. He's a pastor and a marriage and family counselor. He's written a number of books, and uh, we're going to come back to one that's, as Jim said, very, very accessible and very practical. It's called Simple Habits for Marital Happiness. Uh, the subtitle is Practical Skills and Tools that Build a Strong satisfying relationship. Randy, welcome back to Focus. Well, it's a privilege to be with you, and I look uh, forward to talking more about habits that lead to a successful, happy marriage. Okay, let's start. uh, We'll pick up last time, and hopefully, folks, there was so much great practical information in the broadcast yesterday. I pick it up, like John said, smartphone app's a great way to get it. But let's pick up from last time. Um, Listening uh, can be a man's worst enemy, uh, we're kind of thinking of things, and we're not fully... I mean, the other night I did this. Jean asked me, we're at a fast food restaurant. She said, can you get me a cup of ice? And I went, got the cup, filled it with ice, and filled it with water. And then I brought it back. And she said, no, 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 I just wanted a cup of ice. Went, oh, oh. I go back, I throw the ice water away, and bring her the cup back. I'm serious. <laughs> I mean, we were on a long drive. It must we have been after nine, like four or five o'clock. We were on a nine-hour drive, oh so maybe yeah. my mind was just spongy. Yeah. And she said, oh, my. 
I just want a cup of ice. <laughs> well, thank you. Let me go get that. I think I got yeah. it now since the other two ways didn't work for us here. But I mean, it was like a listening block. I literally, I've never done something like that before, but I was not computing what she was saying. <laughs> it, it happens to all of us. And uh, yeah, but we need to strive to be world-class listeners. And I think a good way to do that is to ask two questions of our spouse. You know, kind of, the first question is kind of a warm-up question. You know, it could be, how was your day-to-day? And the follow-up question really makes our spouse feel special and valued, okay? And so uh, the two consecutive question guideline helps a lot of relationships and helps us listen well because a lot of times individuals, we see this even in life, will ask a question to you and say, you say how was your day? And you say, well, it didn't go real well. And rather than say what didn't go well, they start talking about their day. And so two consecutive questions really forces spouses to express interest in their partner, and that makes a difference in the relationship. I like that. Uh, You counseled a woman who corrected her husband all the time. I think this is very instructive, too, because I think everybody could see a little bit of that in your relationship, I would think. I mean, that happens with Gene and I. Um, The question is, how often does that happen, and to what degree? So this is a great illustration of unhealthy correction. Yeah, and there's a difference, I would say, between constructively correcting or criticizing and expressing wants and needs or expressing expectations. But a major predictor for unhappiness, separation, and divorce is criticism, where one spouse is just critical and complaining all the time. And they're never satisfied, and often they're perfectionistic. They're They can be critical of themselves, critical of their spouses, critical of their kids. And in fact, this couple that I mentioned in my book, uh, she criticized her husband all the time for everything. She criticized him on how he ate ice cream, if you can believe it. I'd get out of the way. I wouldn't (laughs) criticize anybody on how they eat ice cream, man. That's dangerous territory. Yeah, it is. I mean... (laughs) It's good. You just want to get it, get it down to your tummy. And so, and, and she criticized him how he put the trash liner in the trash can. And so that one often, may make a little more sense. <laughs> often, so I suggested uh, to the couple, I said, let's try an experiment. I said, uh, because he was just beaten down, you know, and, and criticism will do that. And so I suggested for one week, they both avoid criticism, constructive corrections, complaining, and immediately the husband said, that's a great idea. And he, he said, he said, no, I want to go two weeks. He said, no, I want to go three weeks. And he said, no, I want to go a whole month. Yeah. And the wife said, that's a dumb idea. Oh. I need to continue to correct him when he does things that I think are not right. And she would not do it. Now, she also had adult kids that struggled. I mean, they've been married over 25 years. And, and she was constantly criticizing Pretty much everyone in her family. Can I ask you this? Because, um, you know, it's a great example of what not to do. Mm-hmm. As a counselor, where did she learn that? Because it's counterintuitive. It's not a healthy way to do human relationships. Certainly not a healthy way to do marriage. But do you ever find a commonality there as a child, what she was seeing? Because I think we we grow up learning these habits from our own family of origin so often. Oh, so sure. what do you think what do you think her childhood was like? Well, yeah, and you hit the nail on the head. You know, our parents did the best job they could. Uh, they had virtues, they had flaws. It's good to recognize their 
positive attributes and bring those positive attributes into our adult lives and into our adult relationships, including our marriages. But whatever flaws they had, we want to try to overcome those flaws and not bring them into our personal life or our relationships. And I'm sure... And we need that, to create new flaws. <laughs> <laughs> I like your sense of humor, Jim. Uh, but, but it's but, true. Yeah, it's good. Not, bring no, the good she, stuff, leave the bad stuff. She actually learned it from, uh, from yeah. her mom. I would think know? so. And, yeah. Let's move uh, on the husband side uh, to another extreme. Husbands in that situation, or whenever there's that critical spirit, those things that you were mentioning, husbands tend, we tend to just withdraw. We did it as little boys, and we do it as adult boys. You know, when we're being criticized, we just go into a cocoon and hear wah, 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 and we stare at the TV watching our football game or whatever. Speak to that isolation emotionally and how dangerous that is. Yeah, it, it is very dangerous. In fact, research studies have found there's four patterns that lead to divorce, and withdrawal is one of those patterns. And, I would and, think that's a typical husband. I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would just think that more husbands withdraw than than wives. Wives tend yes. to go on the attack. No, you're right. And, and uh, husbands have a tough time discussing things. Right. You know, wives like to discuss things, even hurts and disappointments. And so, yeah, you're correct. Husbands have a tendency there. What's really important, I think, is to go to Ephesians 4, speak the truth, God tells us, in love. And so we need to use what I have, a speak the truth love formula. The first step is to identify words and behaviors. When I heard you say this or when I saw you do that, I felt, and it's always good to use hurt and disappointed. Never underestimate. A couple can should never underestimate the power of words. Do not use words like angry or mad or frustrated or resentful. Always, I suggest to couples, use hurt or disappointed. So it's when I heard you say this or when I heard you correct me all the time, I feel hurt and disappointed because I feel beaten down. And so the fourth step is offer a solution. Like they say in the business world, don't bring me a problem unless you have a solution. Well, then offer a solution. Now, the wife doesn't have to agree or the husband doesn't have to agree with this solution, but that speak the truth in love formula overcomes what you just mentioned, Jim, withdrawal so that they do talk about their hurts and disappointments and yet offer a solution. Randy, let me ask this question too. Um, so often with the Christian context, you know, two committed people, we will evaluate the fact that we don't disagree much or we don't ever argue as a spiritual virtue. And I would think in a counseling environment, as a counselor, that's admirable. But then you start asking yourself, how deep is this going? Because if they can live at that level, they're obviously not occasionally bumping into each other emotionally, which means they may not be interacting as deeply as they should. So speak to that or maybe even give an illustration where the couple is saying, you know what, is Christian. And we, we get that kind of response here when we have a guest on who says, you know, our marriage was rocky. Well, if you're a Christian and you're in your marriage, you shouldn't have rocky and we've never argued. I mean, I can remember getting some of that correspondence here at Focus, and I thought, wow, that marriage might be in as much trouble as the other one. They just don't know it. Exactly. You said it uh, excellently, and they're not emotionally close. You know, we're going to have hurts and disappointments. You know, it, it maybe we're not getting enough hugs from our spouses, or maybe uh, we want uh, more conversation. They're not giving us enough conversation. Uh, for, again, 25 years, I was a seminary professor. I remember a seminarian in my class, we were going to talk about uh, 
you know, how do you handle those hurts and disappointments? And he raised his hand, you know, again, married 25 years. And he said, Dr. Schrader, he said, my wife and I have never had a disagreement. And, and you know, I wasn't going to embarrass him in front of the whole class. I just said, well, that's nice. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> but See you after class. I, I felt sad because he does not have a close relationship. Uh, we, we can respect each other's differing opinions, differing viewpoints. We can respect each other when they, with it, our spouses share a hurt with us. But that keeps us close to do that talking together about what we can do to make it better. And I, I think it's it's kind of when you have that a healthy intensity in the relationship, it's actually good. It's what God intends. I mean, yes. we are two imperfect people, but you should be colliding here and there well, and working that out healthy I, in a healthy context. And, and I would say the colliding, put in quotes, is respectful. Yes. You know, yeah, you want to you be respectful. Disagree, yes. Disrespect, no. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Some say abortion is harmless, even helpful for women. But is that really true? As a Christian, you know it's not. Are you ready to share with your friends what the Bible has to say, especially after Roe v. Wade? Nearly five decades of legalized abortion have harmed every aspect of our society, including women. Join us online October 4th at 7 p.m. Eastern as Alexander DeSanctis speaks on how abortion harms our culture and disadvantages women. Register at FocusOnTheFamily.com Lighthouse. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Randy, you mentioned in the book, when you disagree with your spouse, you recommend a soft startup. Now, being Irish, I don't know what anything. What do you mean a soft startup? I want to go right to the issue. Let's go. Let's tackle it. What's that, a soft startup? That, that is absolutely essential. And again, I've done a lot of marriage research uh, reading, and uh, harsh beginnings lead to harsh endings almost 100% of the time. Okay, this and, is a proverb now. And it, yeah, and, <laughs> That's and, what it sounds like. Yeah, and harsh endings uh, often lead to divorce. And uh. so we need to have soft startups, as you just asked about, and uh, what's I should yeah what's uh, the example? I should define a harsh beginning first. You know, you always, you never, you're stupid, you're dumb. We need to talk. I've got an issue. We've got a problem. You know, that's a harsh beginning, and the other spouse immediately puts up a defense wall. And so, a soft startup is I need your help. As Christian people, the three of us want to be helpful. For others. That's why you do what you do serving our Lord Jesus here at Focus on the Family. And so I need your help is disarming. And I can't tell you how many couples have said that made a huge positive difference in our marriage relationship. To use those words, I need your help. Now, if it's not a good time to discuss, the other spouse can say, hey, this is just not a good time. Spouses need to be in a pleasant mood, a decent mood, so they'll have the energy to look for solutions rather than attack and blame. And, and the other, I always call it the terrific three. Uh, couples need to have discussions after nine in the morning, before nine at night. They need to always sit down. They need to, so they're not standing and yelling at each other. And they need to always begin with, I need your help. And those three simple yet effective habits, I would say those alone, besides all the other habits in the book, have saved probably 500 marriages from divorce. Hmm. I've that had, you dealt I, with. That I've counseled, have said, yeah. ha, have said to me, Dr. Schrader, those three simple yet very effective habits saved us, saved our marriage from divorce. Thank you. Hmm. 
Randy, also, let me let me move to another, I you know, today it's such a taboo metaphor, but the rifle approach, what are you going after with the rifle approach? You got to be careful when you talk about this. Yeah, that, that is another guideline. And in fact, uh, I have uh, 16 guidelines on how couples can have respectful discussions. Uh, and that, besides the stay inside the nines, always sit. I need your help. Another guideline is take the rifle approach. A rifle has a single bullet. A shotgun shell has a lot of pellets. And, and so couples need to focus on one hurt or disappointment Okay, time. not a bunch. Not a bunch because, uh, and couples have a tendency to not just focus on issues at the time, but they'll then go back in the past and, and just bring other things up. So whatever the hurt or disappointment is, just Focus on that solitary issue. You also encourage couples uh, to engage in dialogue, not monologue. I, this is probably a good parenting tip, too. I mean, uh, but the kind of the monologue doesn't get you very far. It The monologue makes the other spouse feel talked at. They feel uh, almost treated like a child, that they're being talked down to. And, and someone who does a monologue wants to go on and on and on. There needs to be a nice ebb and flow when couples have a respectful disagreement discussion. Uh, it's kind of like a tennis volley. You go out to get exercise, a husband and wife, and they hit the ball nicely back and forth to each other so they can keep it going and run around and, and get exercise and uh, help their heart rate. And, and that likewise, that's what needs to happen with a marriage relationship. That dialogue needs to be there mm-hmm. where a spouse says three sentences, the other spouse echoes, I heard you say, is that correct? This spouse says another three sentences, I heard you say, is that correct? And then they exchange roles. This spouse becomes the speaker. That spouse becomes the listener with an echo, I heard you say, is that correct? I saw a physician and his wife, and he would go for five minutes. Talk about a monologue. <laughs> it's almost a mini sermon. And, and his wife, uh, he said, I need to do that. And I said, well, Doc, I need to do I, that. I, you, That's I, just funny hearing that. Yeah, I said, Doc, I said, you keep doing that. Your wife is moving further and further away from you emotionally. You know, she oh, is feeling, yeah. she's feeling attacked and she's feeling talked at. And, and the wife then spoke up and she said, that's it. I don't feel that he's talking with me. He's talking at me. And I encouraged the doc to give up his monologues and start going to three sentences or less or four, you know, just be brief. And immediately their marriage improved. They started having real healthy discussions, understanding each other's viewpoint, perspective, and it was just remarkable how quickly their marriage I was going to ask you about that because, you know, again, the discipline of doing this, it's kind of where we started. It was hopefully a little bit humorous, but it is a, it's a discipline that you have to have. And so often when you go to a counselor and you use the I words and you're trying to impart into those couples, these principles that work because you got to slow down. You got to think about what you're about to say. You got to try not to be harmful aim for a good outcome. And practically, Randy, what's so hard, and I get this, you're in the heat of the moment. I mean, it's emotional and you're Mm -hmm. trying to respond and you feel under attack. And it's like your brain has a hard time going to this place called adult (laughs) and Mm -hmm. think about what you're doing. How do you discipline yourself to back up in the emotional moment and say, honey, okay, let's just stop for a minute and let's recalibrate this discussion. And I, I think that's a, a good good point, Jim. And I, God doesn't use the word discipline, but God uses the word self-control and the fruit of the Spirit. 
Right. So in a sense, I would say self-control, self-discipline, they're synonymous. Fits and, and, but I think what happens and why simple habits for marital happiness have made a huge difference is so often couples just read in books about concepts and principles. And so you can't slow yourself down because you do not have the ability to slow yourself down without specific words and actions and knowledge. Yeah. Uh, and so having the, these uh, habits allows a spouse to develop self-control. Unbelievable how parents can develop self-control and spouses develop self-control when they have the tools That's and the skills. That's so good. Uh, let's move outside of that uh, husband-wife relationship. The other one that can impact a marriage from outside is unhealthy friendships. And describe what you see there in some of the counseling sessions that you've had and how does a couple build a proper fence around those more toxic relationships? I would think, too, I mean, when the one spouse sees it and the other one doesn't, that's hard. Because then then it's an internal battle. You know, honey, Susan is not a healthy person (laughs) and she's leaning on you, Hmm. but I love Susan. Susan's so wonderful. Okay, take it away. Yeah. Well, and again, let's go back to God's word. You know, what does God's word say in Proverbs? Uh, a wise Walk with the wise and become wise. You know, walk with foolish people and you're going to suffer harm. And mm-hmm. so God is telling us in his word, watch your friendships. Your friendships can hurt your Christian walk. Your friendships can hurt your Christian marriage. And, and so identify those friends because friendships should build up a marriage, not tear down a marriage. And it's not just friends. It could be family members. You know, I've seen family members tear down a Christian marriage. Randy, while I was reading the prep and looking at the book uh, last night, actually, and doing the research I needed to do, I was talking to Troy and Jean. They were in the kitchen and I was in the living room reading. And I got into that. I was reading that part about putting change, you know, five coins in your right pocket And then every time you criticize or you're critical of your spouse, take a coin out, put it in your left pocket. And then during the day, if you compliment your spouse or maybe your child in a parenting context, you take that coin out of your left pocket, put it in your right. And then at the end of the day, how many coins do you have in your right pocket, which is the goal? That's a great, they both said that is brilliant. Well, and it's a little different. I, I want to okay, start. I want to start me. out. I want to start with a positive, Jim. So, yeah, every time they compliment their spouse, then they get to move a coin from the right pocket to the left. Okay. Get, yeah. yeah okay. So we're going to start out. We want them to start hopefully complimenting, not criticizing. Start out complimenting, and hopefully the goal it, they'll move five coins quickly. Now, sometimes women don't have pockets in their pants, and I say, you know, put five coins when you're at home on a kitchen counter, and every time you compliment move it over to the left side and start putting the five coins over here. But when they criticize or correct or complain, now they got to take this coin and bring it back. They, they don't get to keep it over here in the left pile. And so uh, it really helps a couple find out, am I a good finder or am I a fault finder? You know, how yeah. often, no, that's am, a good how often am I using the C's? And so often when couples come in and say, you know, my spouse is just not appreciating me. Yeah, well, I say, let's do the five coin idea. You know, and again, that's a great, one of the many great concepts you have in your book. Um, 
at the close here, let's make sure we hit this and address, I think, the theme, the thread of what we've been talking about, that a happy marriage is not spontaneous. And so many couples, when they get married, they live on that vapor of the honeymoon, and that may last a year or two, and then you get into the the normalcy of life, and the children come along, and the job, and promotions, and responsibility, and you got the house payment now, and it's, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the critical nature of that to make sure that you're putting effort into your relationship, it's not spontaneous. It does take thought. It does take dialogue. It does take love to do this better. And for us in the Christian community, we should be the best at this because the fruit of the Spirit, as you've said over and over, is really the basis for how we should deal with one another. And couples will say, it's easy for me to do that with my friend. It's not so easy for me to do that with my spouse. And, 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 and Jim, I am so happy that you brought this up and we got to talk about this. Because if there's one word that points out the difference between a happy marriage and an unhappy marriage, it is planning. A marriage institute, I think it was in Philadelphia, it's something I read probably over 30 years ago, wanted to determine what is the difference between happy and unhappy marriages. And what they discovered the difference to be was that one word planning happy couples planned time together whereas unhappy couples let their good times happen by chance you know happy successful couples plan to go to church this sunday they plan to give each other a meaningful hug meaningful kiss today they plan how are we going to connect tonight when are we going to turn off the technology and look each other in the eyes and just talk they plan for dates together to strengthen their marriage relationship. And so, yeah, you're exa- I'm glad you brought that up. That is the key, is planning. Now, that being said, we need to know uh, how to, the words and the behaviors and the knowledge to plan for a happy marriage. We still have to have that. Yeah. But, but yeah, but and, planning is key. And Randy, I mean, you have packed the book with so many very simple, practical things to say and do in your marriage that get you the result that your heart is yearning for, that kind of deep relationship. You just need to get your head moving in the right direction and lead the way in so many ways to make sure the heart is blossoming. And I can't stress it enough. I mean, this is one of the best resources I think we've come across when it comes to marriage. And if you want to, uh, again, correct a marriage that isn't in desperate trouble, but you can do things to move it into a far healthier position, this is one of the top resources we could think of. And if your marriage is in a more difficult spot, we want you to get a hold of us. And these principles will help. And I'm sure Randy's going to shake his head. These are the things that can turn around your marriage. But you may need a little more intensive application right now. We have Hope Restored. You can get in touch with us. It's a four-day intensive. It's got an 80% post-two-year success rate. Really, many of the things that Randy has talked about, they help teach you to apply to your relationship. And it's one of the best things going on at Focus. But we want to get Randy's book into your hands. If you can make a gift of any amount, monthly is wonderful to join us in the ministry to help more and more marriages Uh, Be Strengthened in Christ, or a one-time gift, we'll send you a copy of the book as our way of saying thank you. If you can't afford it, we're a Christian ministry. We're going to get this into your hands and trust that other believers will cover the cost of that. And donate as you can when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family, 800-232-6459. 
or stop by our website for all of these resources and opportunities to give to the ministry. Um, we're at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening today to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.